Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our series, Relationship Rehab. The pandemic has not been kind to relationships. Families are feuding and friendships have fractured. Join us to discover God's principles for rebuilding key relationships. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. What's up, Liquid Church? Hey, let's give a big welcome to our live locations and Church Online. What's up, guys? How are y'all doing? All right, I'm Pastor Tim, and it's great to see you for part two of our series, Relationship Rehab. If you're just joining us, we are talking about how to repair and fix broken relationships because the pandemic has done a number on people, okay? There's been a lot of stress and strain. I think people feel pretty triggered uh, all over the place. Families are divided. I've seen friendships blow up over, you know, emotional responses to masks and vaccines and and family members have, you know, strong political views. People are kind of like in your face nowadays about, you know, about gender, about race, about cancel culture, insert divisive issue here. And things get like pretty heated and emotional real quick. And, and now all of a sudden it's like, we're not talking anymore and it's funky in our family home. We can all probably think of somebody who was once close to us, maybe somebody you loved or respected, but the last couple of years have created a wrinkle, a rift, a rip in the relationship. Maybe it's, um, it's your dad or your uncle who made that insensitive comment and they consistently just respond in a way that like hurts your feelings and now you're not talking anymore. There's a gap there, right? Or maybe it's your sister-in-law or or someone in your small group, right? They just started posting crazy talk online, right? And you you politely like suggested, hey, maybe you might want to just kind of tone it down just a little bit. And they like got all defensive and up in arms. You're like, I'm sorry, I'm speaking my truth. What are you trying to cancel me? And now things are like all emotional. Everyone's kind of like walking on eggshells. Last week I asked you this question: is there a relationship in your life? that needs repair. Could you think of somebody, one person? Maybe there's a feud with someone in your family, you know, your mom, dad, your brother, sister, or a colleague at work, right? Maybe it's somebody you work with, a business partner. Uh, There's friction, there's conflict, a rift in the relationship. Uh, Maybe you had a falling out with your roommate, you know, you guys live together, but now it's all awkward, or maybe it's someone at school, or or you're a parent, and you've got conflict with one of your kids, man. Woof, believe me, I know what you're talking about. Maybe there's, there's tension in your marriage, right? And you're like, I'm trying to get things back on track. Or ongoing conflict with your ex, and you don't know how to resolve it. Well, welcome. Have a seat on the couch. Welcome to Relationship Rehab. They try to make me go to rehab, <laughs> but I said, no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. We've all got somebody in our life with whom we'd like to fix the relationship, but we're just not sure how. You know, last week we just admitted, you know, starting a relationship is the easy part. Fixing a broken one is hard. Because a lot of times in our attempts to repair things with that person, we reach for C4. You remember that? C4, the plastic explosive that blows things up. Things are broken with them, and so you try to see, convince them that they're wrong. Um, This is my natural one. I'm a communicator, so I try this tool a lot. I try to, if I can just convince or persuade Mike, you know, if I can just send him that article or, or, or write her that email, explain the logic of my position, I'll convince them of the truth, and hopefully it will convict them. That's the second C. It's gonna convict them, you know? Lord, just drop the scales from Clint's eyes so he sees the error of his ways, you know? And, and maybe he'll feel some good godly guilt about how wrong he was and, and apologize to me, and, and you know what? If he doesn't, okay. 
okay, I'll just coerce them, you know. I'll just threaten them as the parent. I'm going to punish you if you don't, or I'm going to tell them, you're not seeing your grandkids, okay, if you act like that, or, or I'm taking away your visitation rights. Do whatever it takes to control them. That's the fourth C, because sometimes you guys know, you got to pull back on the reins of relationship. You say, whoa, 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 I'm the one in control here, okay, enough talk. We're going this way. Final decision, no more discussion. I'm in charge. That'll fix it. But guess what? Tick, 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 tick. Boom, right? C4 just blows things up and makes it worse, doesn't it? Whenever you try to convince, convict, control, coerce, nothing gets resolved. Nothing gets fixed. It just makes it worse with the other person. I'll give you an example. Maybe you've heard this one in your home. Parents, you'll recognize this. You know, after a little, you know, after an apology and a little cooling off, the other person says, I don't get it. I, I said I'm sorry. Why are you still mad? Have you ever said that honest moment? Anybody ever said that? I said I'm sorry. I acknowledge a mistake. Why are you still upset? Now, what's interesting, right, is that it sounds honest, okay? But let me tell you what they hear when you say that. They hear, I did my part. Try doing yours, okay? Since you're not okay, something must be wrong with you, <laughs> right? Translation, clearly I'm the better person. I'm the humble one. I apologize. And if you were mature, you would thank me, accept it, and we would move on. We should, in fact, we should be back to where we were before I said what I said or, or made that decision or fill in the blank. That's C4. That's convicting. That's coercive. Boom. We reach for it first, but it only makes it worse. So the question is, like, how do you get to real, authentic reconciliation? Because according to the Bible, authentic reconciliation means you repair or restore the relationship. We talked about this last week. I'm just catching you up. The grand story of the gospel is how God reconciled our, or restored our broken relationship with him, right? We said this, hey, when God's family members, think about this, offended our father in heaven, sin ripped apart our relationship, what's he do? He sends Jesus on a rescue mission to reconcile you back to him. Now he does that through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, but notice the cross has two beams, right? First, it's vertical. In other words, faith in Christ is what reconciles you to God. But watch this. The cross is also what? Horizontal. God says, now I'm going to give you the power to reach out and repair relationships with those around you. As 1 Corinthians says, God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their what? Their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. God's like, man, I poured out my mercy and forgiveness on you. I gave you eternal life. I want you to drop differences with that other person and make things right between the two. So understand, reconciliation is vertical with God. It's horizontal with others. It's not a suggestion, guys. It's a command for anyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ. So it requires this mental pivot in your mind. We said, you know what you have to do? You have to have a change of mind. That's what repentance is. You, instead of vowing, you know what? I am going to get back at them. Instead of punishing or payback, because there's no room for revenge as a Christ follower, instead of buying, I will get back at, you say to yourself, I will get back to. In other words, instead of punishing them, you pursue them. You say, God, you've got to soften my heart because I know we haven't spoken in, in weeks, maybe months. Maybe, maybe it was mainly their fault. I get it. It was mainly their fault. But you actually ask the Holy Spirit, would you start shifting my heart from posture of, I'm going to get back at, to I will get back to them. With God, with your help, I will uncross my arms oh, and put down the drawbridge of my heart and make the first move towards them just like God did with me. Because I told you last week, right? If you feel for them what God feels for them, you will move towards them. 
Now, I want to hit the pause button here. So everybody say pause. Pause. Pause button. Okay. Pause button. Time out. Okay. Sermon over here. I want to give an important disclaimer because I had a number of people come up to me after last week's message because they were, they felt convicted, but they were also kind of like conflicted inside. One person confided me and said, Pastor Tim, this is so hard for me because I was thinking the person that's hard for me to ever forgive. And I, I was molested when I was a child. A couple others said their ex was abusive. And they had to get out of that relationship. So let me be super clear to everybody here. I am not encouraging reconciliation in situations where there's abuse, okay? In situations where there's abuse, reconciliation is not only unwise, it can be downright unsafe, okay? When somebody abuses another person, I'm talking about where there's devastating physical, verbal, or emotional trauma, the best thing you can do is to end that relationship and you get away from them, okay? In situations like that, you're going to need to ask God just for the strength to help you forgive them in your heart so you don't become bitter. You, you have to forgive, not for them, it's for your freedom and healing. But that doesn't mean you reconcile. Remember, forgiveness is your decision. It's releasing them in your heart and giving them over to God. Forgiveness has nothing to do actually with them, whether they take responsibility, they say they're sorry, there's consequences, it doesn't matter. Sometimes the only thing you can do is forgive them. Watch this vertically. God, I forgive them and release them to you. You may never see them again, let alone reconcile. Reconciling could be unwise, it can be unsafe, or even impossible. They may not even be alive anymore, right? Some of you think of somebody, you're like, they're dead, how would I reconcile? Understand, you can forgive someone even if you don't reconcile. Does that make sense? Nod your head if you're, you're tracking with me. Okay, cool, okay, unpause, here we go. <laughs> I wanna make that distinction clear before we go further today, because in general, what I'm talking about is relationships where there's the, how do I put it, just like the, the normal kind of human conflict, right? Like, she hurt my feelings, man. He made that decision that affected my career, or there's a broken friendship, or, 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 or some, you know, he did something that lost my trust. They didn't keep their promise. But that other person isn't a danger to you. Does that make sense? They may be estranged from you, but they're not a danger to you. And here's, by the way, a word just to encourage all of us. If you're seeing a counselor, can I just encourage you? Stick with it. <laughs> counseling is often vital to God's healing process. So this teaching isn't like a substitute for good counseling. What I want to do right now is teach you a, just a practical step towards biblical reconciliation because God's word gives very, very wise counsel about rehabbing relationships. Think of Jesus as the counselor. For instance, did you know this? reconciling with that person you're thinking about ain't the same thing as resolving your differences. There's a big difference between reconciliation and resolution. Reconciliation, again, you guys get it. It means you repair the relationship. It's broken. You fix it. Here's what it means if you have an ex. It means you bury the hatchet. If it's with your ex, it doesn't mean you, you remarry and just, you know, just, no. It means you're at peace with each other. I'm not holding on to any hurt. You're not holding on to any hurt. You've buried the hatchet. You're at peace. That's reconciliation. But resolution means you resolve every disagreement, and that probably ain't going to happen, okay? Because the truth is, there's just some things in your family, in your marriage, with your team at work. There's just some things you are never going to agree on because we're all different. But here's a secret. You can learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. It's called emotional maturity, to disagree without being disagreeable. In other words, mom or dad, you may not, in your team, you may not see eye to eye, or, or maybe you have a different perspective on politics than your parents. But you, if you're spiritually mature, watch this, you can walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye. 
because you're differentiated. You guys remember EHS? You're not, I'm not triggered by their reaction to me. That is a hallmark of emotionally healthy spirituality. And let me tell you, man, for my, my seat as a married man, man, my wife Colleen and I, people are like, you guys are so alike. And we are in many ways. We don't see eye to eye, though, on a lot of different things. But we walk hand in hand. And hey, Valentine's Day, we're going to celebrate 24 years of marriage this summer. Praise God. Isn't that good? And it's getting better and better. So you can understand, you can reconcile with that person without resolving every issue. And here's the goal. Here's the goal. I want you to say this. The goal is two words. Ready? No regrets. Can you say that with me? No regrets for this relationship. As your lead pastor who loves you, I don't want you to feel regret years from now. When you've sat there and you kept your arms crossed towards that, you know, so-and-so, that loved one, that family member, and you like never reached out because, you know, you're all self-righteous. And they're like, well, they did that and they could reach out to me and they didn't where to find me. But then suddenly there's an accident or there's an illness or now you have to go to a funeral. And all that stuff that kept you two apart and distant all these years and robbed you of this relationship, now all you have is regret. I want you to have a no regrets relationship. Say it again. No regrets. That's the goal of biblical reconciliation. No regrets relationship. So how do you do it? All right. If you said, Tim, all right, I got it. I'm not going to get back at them. I want to get back to them. What's that look like, practically speaking? Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. We also have the scripture in your uh, mobile app. I want you to think right now, as I'm about to read this, I want you to think about that person and the event maybe that blew things up between you, that broke trust. You know, maybe it was a, a promise they broke or a bad decision they made, or just a conversation that wounded your feelings. You remember it? Some of you are like, why are you doing this? I'm trying to forget it, Tim. <laughs> if you can't recall it, it's okay. Jesus remembers, right? Jesus was there. God is omniscient. Let's assume he knows all about what he or she did than what you said to them. Jesus knows all about that situation. So Jesus is the counselor. And so I want you to imagine now, Jesus sits you down on his counseling couch, and he leans in, and he says this. He says, hey, um, I'm listening to this, but I just got a question. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I'm just kind of curious. Tell me about that. And you're, you're like, what? What, 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 what? And he's like, I'm just asking a question. That's what counselors do. I'm just curious. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? You, you, you make that personal. In your sister-in-law's or, your, or the person you work with, your boss's eye, or that person you're married to, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in, that, in the eye of your uncle who messes everything up and I'm not inviting him anymore? <laughs> why do you look at the speck of sawdust in his eye, that little bitty thing, and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? In other words, Jesus says, why are you so laser-focused on what they did where you obsess about their part, but pay no attention to yours. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't like Jesus the counselor very much, you know? And you're like, well, I got to say something. And so you're like, all right, well, you know, Jesus, honestly, to begin with, Dr. Jesus, sorry, can I call you Jesus? Uh, to begin with, Jesus, it's not a speck of sawdust. You see that thing in their eye? That ain't a little itty-bitty thing. I don't know if you were paying attention about this, Jesus, but did you miss what happened? He left me. She didn't follow through. I got fired for no good reason. They ruined Christmas again, and we're not having them back next year. So Jesus, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll do apologies, but like you may think it's an itty-bitty speck, but I assure you it's a lot bigger deal than that. He won't accept responsibility for his actions. They act like they did nothing wrong. So sorry, Jesus, I just don't see it like that, like you do. And Jesus is like, 
just looks at you. Just quiet for a moment. Just kind of stares. Don't you hate when counselors do that? They don't say anything. They're just like nodding like, hmm. You're like, all right, secondly, I don't have a plank in my eye. Okay, you got me wrong on that. In fact, Jesus, I think you got the two of us mixed up. They're the one with the plank. I got the speck. I'm not saying I'm perfect, Jesus, only you're perfect. Okay, I didn't start the fire, okay? It wasn't my fault. You're like, I'm sorry, I got a little emotional there. But with, with all due respect, I was there. I clearly see what happened. My vision is spot on. And clearly, it was their fault. And Jesus quiet again. He just kind of nods and he says, can I ask another question? Verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? You're like, what do you mean? And he says, well, do you really think like if you sit them down on the couch and you shine a little light on their flaw, what they did wrong, say, hold still. Let me see. You got a little something. Hold still. I'm just going to fix you. And then you'll see as clearly as I do. Do you actually think you have the ability to fix them? Like, sorry, you're broken, you're insecure, but if you just sit down with me and I'll fix your flaw, I'll help you see clearly, I will fix you because you're all broken. (laughs) And then Jesus just starts laughing. He's like, that's amazing, bro. You are pretty confident you see things clearly, don't you? So let me just ask again, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? Now circle that phrase all the time because in Greek, all the time, actually the word is in King James. Behold, like, wow, look at that. So if we put this in modern terms, Counselor Jesus would be saying something like this. How can you say to your brother or sister, whoever it is, let me take the speck out of your eye when looky there, will you? <laughs> you got a two by four plank sitting in your own. I think Jesus would just go, <laughs> just kind of laugh again. You're like, this is annoying. And he'd just be like, you hypocrite. <laughs> you know. Oh, that word hypocrite. I know, right? Hippo, hypo, like, like extra, crete. It's a Greek word for acting. Jesus is like, you pretender. You're just faking. You're hiding behind a mask, aren't you? And we all feel like so busted right now, don't we? Like Jesus is like, I see through all of these games. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of whose eye? Your own eye. And then maybe you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And you're like, is this session almost over? You know, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus I, all right, G, okay. Jesus, I'm picking up what you're laying down, okay? What, I, I, hear, I think I hear what you're saying. I think you're saying, I've got my issues. They've got their issues. I should probably just focus on my stuff, right? Let them work on their stuff. I get it. Got it. Thank you for the Bible lesson. Moral of the story. Mind your own business. I hear you, Jesus, okay? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. (laughs) That's actually not what I'm saying at all. This session is about reconciliation. I'm not here to teach you how to run to your little self-righteous corner and tell your sad story for the rest of your life. I'm trying to teach you how to take the first step to reconciliation. Didn't, Didn't you hear what I said? I said, first, take the plank out of your own eye. In other words, before you try to fix them, can we just start with you? Like first, like first, look what you got in your, is it possible you don't see so clearly after all? In fact, let's have a little fun. Let me invite you to cut yourself a slice of the blame pie. Take a look at blame pie. Doesn't that look good? I'm going to put it up on the screen. Have you ever had a slice of blame pie? What's blame pie? You're like, what is that? I want to give Andy Stanley credit for this. Years ago, um, when I was a younger pastor, Uh, Married couples would come to me for pastoral counseling. You know, they'd say, well, you know, 
you know, Pastor Tim, we're having a conflict. And so what I would do is I would draw like a, a pie, like kind of like a circle on a piece of paper. And I'd say, okay, let's pretend this pie represents this conflict you're having. Let's pretend the pie is the problem and the situation that you guys are upset about. Here it all is. And there's all the blame in there. And I'd say, now, here's a, cut yourself a slice. What, tell me what portion represents your part of the problem. Like how much of the pie is your problem, you know? And inevitably, you know what the husband would do? The husband would, would carve out a little slice of pie. I'll illustrate this for you. I, brought, I actually brought a pie today. Everyone say, mmm, doesn't that look good? Mmm. And I'd like, all right, guys, go first. And, uh, and he'd be like, how much of this is my blame? Like, I'm to blame for the problem? He's like, all right. Uh, and he would, he, would, he would cut in. He's like, I don't know, maybe like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know, like this much? I, like that. I don't know, something like that maybe. Like, I played a part, Tim. I'm not perfect, but... Maybe 20% is mine, 80% is hers, okay? And I'd be like, okay, so that slice, that's your fault. That's your part of the blame pie. And he's like, yeah, that's about right. That's my piece of the pie. And then I'd ask the wife to go next. I'd say, okay, what is your piece of the pie, my dear? And you know what she would do? She's just like, oh, well, that's easy. She would actually take his slice like this, and she'd cut his in half, and then she'd dice it one more time, cut it into an eighth, and she's like, I don't know, maybe about this? Just, I think, I mean, that might be a little, let me skim off a little bit more. About that, I'd say. The rest of that is that sucker over there. She would get the skinniest sliver of pie you ever saw, okay? And I'm like, okay, so that's your fault? Oh, yeah, 2%. 98% his fault. And, and both parties would try to convince me how small their slice of the blame pie was. It was kind of comical. And I'd say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Listen, I'm gonna, we're going to put aside the rest of the pie for a minute, and we're just going to focus only on your slice. And they'd be confused because they'd be like, my slice? What about, what about his, his part? I was like, no, no, no. I just want to focus on yours, your slice of the pie. And you know what? Most couples couldn't do it. They simply could not resist talking about the other person's part. They could not, for the life of them, focus on their own little slice. By the way, I'm so, I just have to, mm, I love a good pie. Don't you love pie? I love pie. So good. Some of you are like, yeah, we know. We see, ma'am. Uh, we love. <laughs> uh, love me some blame pie. <laughs> What's my point? Jesus is like, you want to play games or you want to reconcile? Because if you really want to reconcile, guess what? Open wide. You got to eat your piece of the pie first. Before we get to them, you got to start with you. And I realize this may be tiny. <laughs> it may be just a sliver, just a crumb. The whole thing's their problem. It may be a speck of sawdust. But Jesus says, this is where you start. First, you catch this? First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's pie. And I, and I get it right now, guys. I get it. You may be like, man, you don't understand. The whole problem is theirs, you know? They deserve to have a pie in the face. How many are like, I'd like to throw that pie in their face. I get it. God bless you. Okay. Just, just be honest for, for a minute. If you could, what is your part of this blame pie? Where did you play a part? Where could you have even just done better? And if you can't think of it right now, if you're like, I, I, I don't really know, then I'm going to give you another dangerous prayer to pray. Last week gave you a dangerous prayer, right? Here's a new one. Ready? Heavenly Father, please show me where I was at fault. Oh, <laughs> right? Pray, pray it only if you mean it. Father, please show me. Open my eyes. Where was I at fault? What could I have done different? 
Let me tell you, sometimes it's dangerous because before you finish praying, something may come to mind. And you're like, but it's just so tiny. And God's like, I know it's tiny, but that's where you got to start. In fact, you may be arguing right now. You're like, but Tim, my part was just even a reaction to the, the sin, the terrible thing they did they, that wrecked and ruined my life. Okay, well, let's just start with that. Ask God honestly, is there something about me that's an obstacle to us? Yeah? If so, then you got to own your piece of blame pie. You got to confess it. You got to own it. And you got to ask God to remove it. Because Jesus says here in Matthew, whoever makes the first move is the most mature person in the relationship. That's the key to the, the repairing any relationship. The most mature person always makes the first move. Now, is that encouraging news to you, right? Because some of you have been thinking like, well, I'm the mature one, you know? <laughs> they're, they're so immature. I never would have said that. I never would have acted like that. I'm so much more mature than them. And that's good if you're new to our church. We only have healthy, emotionally mature people in this congregation, okay? Good news. Well, guess what? The most mature person in the relationship makes the first move. What's that look like? It means you actually <clears throat> swallow your pride a little bit. And you say, um, listen, I just want to apologize to you. Because the, uh, the other night when you got so upset, man, I just, I reacted very poorly. And, and you know what? What I know is I missed your heart. And I was tired. And I was frustrated. I'm just sorry for that. Will you forgive me for my reaction? I just, I didn't react well. What happens to that person? Suddenly, all the air in that conflict balloon, just goes out of the balloon because the most mature person in the relationship made the first move like God did with you. You always start with what's your fault. You never, never start with the whole pie and say, look what they did wrong. You don't ever start by listing all the ways you've been hurt. Well, you're this and this and this and this and this idiot. And oh yeah, I did this little, you know, this little pecan over here. Maybe, maybe that's mine. Okay. No, no. You start with your slice of the blame pie. Now understand, let's make it, let's, let's just, first, okay, it's 95% their fault, majority. You can always find something you can confess to. Something that was your mistake or something you could have done better. Again, maybe you reacted poorly to what they did. Maybe you actually didn't say anything at all because you wanted to avoid conflict and you just stuck your head in the sand and ah, there's no problem here. You begin by humbly confessing to that person your blind spots. Everyone say blind spot. We all have blind spots. Some of you have bald spots, but we all got blind spots, right? What are blind spots? They're these weaknesses that Jesus says, you have a hard time seeing, right? You can always see the other person's faults in high depth. Well, it's like obvious. His fault, he did this, 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 and this. My fault, maybe there's just a little speck, Jesus. And he's like, just get back on the couch. We're going to go over this again. Ready? Here we go. Why do you obsessively look at the speck of sawdust in her eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own? You hypocrite, you actor, you pretender. First take the plank out of your own eye. And then, he says, then maybe, maybe you'll see clearly to remove the speck from their eye. What's he saying? <laughs> you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is like, bro, my professional opinion, you got a pie in your eye. <laughs> you, got a you got a pie in your eye. You got a major blind spot. See, in any conflict, we tend to magnify their part and minimize our own. But Jesus says, if you want to reconcile like me, you do the opposite. You remove the pie from your eye. You say, look what I did. 
You actually magnify your part. You say, look at my blind spot. And it means you have to uh, apologize Ugh. in an authentic way. You can actually say, I'm, I just want to say I'm sorry because I obviously miscommunicated. I, I clearly did a poor job of this. Or I, you know, I had unrealistic expectations. Or I was just being oversensitive. I was stressed out. And I want to apologize for that. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Can you forgive me for that? And suddenly this hard demeanor just kind of softens because you just disarmed the bomb. And this is important. You know why? You know why repairing a relationship is so hard? By the way, I'm just going to get fat preaching this sermon, man. <laughs> because all of us at some level are self-righteous. Oh, <laughs> right? We're convinced I'm 100% the right, they're 100% the wrong. Do you know who Jesus attacked more than anybody else? He attacked self-righteous people. He had all, Jesus had all the patience and compassion in the world for broken, contrite people. If people admitted their mess, he's like, I give you love and grace and unlimited uh, compassion. You know what he called the Pharisees? You know, you know what he called the Pharisees? Hold on, I'll flip over in, in Matthew here. Here we go. I'll just read it for you. Brood of vipers! You dead of snakes! You sons of hell! Son self-righteous. Not because the Pharisees were dumb or they didn't know their Bible. They were so self-righteous they were so focused on pointing out the pie in everybody else's eye that Jesus is like, you got twin telephone poles. You can't see your own sin. You're not self-aware. And this is key. When it comes to reconciliation, self-righteousness is self-sabotage. Write that down. Self-righteousness is self-sabotage. If you act like it's all their fault, I got no role to play, there will be no healing guaranteed. Just guaranteed. Hearts will harden even harder. They will not hear a word you say. I'm just telling you, self-righteousness is self-sabotage. It just pushes people away. But watch this. Self-awareness, what's in my eye, unlocks the door to reconciliation. It is the key to drawing them closer in humility and repairing the relationship. Because it shows that you actually value the person enough to be vulnerable. They hurt you once, and now you're being vulnerable. Whoa. Where do you get that strength? Jesus on the cross. You're not full of pride. You're not full of defensiveness. They can see you're not trying to score a point or win the argument. I mean, here's a question for you. Some of you, because I, I can read it in your body language. You're like, this is getting too close to home, man. You felt pretty good about the fact that you were in the right. Here's my question. Would you rather be right or be in right relationship? Would you rather just be right your little story that you've gotten yourself right to or be in a right relationship with God and with them. Because if you do, that's when you have to pray humbly, God, if there's anything in me that needs to change, that's blocking our fellowship, that I could have done better, that I could own, reveal it, show me, search my heart, I'm open. I want to be self-aware. I want to own it. Because self-righteousness is sabotage. But self-awareness is the key. It unlocks the door. To reconciliation. I know because it happened to me. Can I tell you a story? So last fall, I get um, an email with the subject line reconciliation in it. And I open it up, and it's from a guy who I actually lost touch with before COVID. Um, he used to attend this church, but then he left. And honestly, I never knew why. People come and go. And I assumed he you know, moved on or was relocating. 
And then COVID happened, so I didn't think too much about it. But then a year and a half later, he sends this email with reconciliation in the subject line. And so I, I open it, and he says, hey, I'm writing because I want to reconcile with you. And at first I thought, <laughs> I didn't realize we had a beef. Like, what? I don't even know what he's talking about. And he goes on to explain that we had a conversation once where he felt like I minimized what he said. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that conversation. I actually remember it well because I was like, I thought it was like a great conversation. He was sharing a hard part of his life and how, like, events in the culture were upsetting him. And I took time to listen closely because I care. I thanked him for sharing. I was like, wow, that's an amazing perspective. I give me a lot to think about. And we prayed together. But I didn't follow up after that. And he said, I expected you to. And my lack of follow-up, it actually hurt him deeply. It, it felt to him like I didn't take to heart what he was sharing with me. And he's like, that's one of the reasons I left. And I'll be honest, at first, I was taken aback because, like, I literally had no idea. I had no sweet clue that I had hurt him by my lack of response. But then he types, well, I'm not writing to rehash old hurts. I'm writing because we're both brothers in Christ. And as members of Jesus' kingdom, I just felt like God saying, can we reconcile a relationship? Now, let me tell you what I could have done, okay? You know what I could have done? I could have very well, any given day, responded to that email defensively, right? Right? Like some of you are even like, why is he making such a big deal about it? What, what thin skin he must have? Or why did he leave? He picked up all his marbles and went home. How immature. Years later, he sends an email. Would have been very easy for me to be defensive, respond out of my flesh. Good news. I spent time on the couch with Jesus that morning. We had our normal one-on-one -on -one time. And so with Jesus' help, I stepped over my self-righteous feelings and said, man, what a gift. Like, some people never tell you that you hurt them or even give you a chance to make it right, even though I wasn't convinced the way I responded was wrong. But I was like, kudos to him. He made the first move. That's the mature thing to do. And so we actually set up a time to meet over Zoom. And I'll admit, I was a little nervous, I, I, you know, logging on. I, and so before I logged on, I just prayed. I was, this, this is what you do, right? You spend time. I got, I got to sit on the couch with Jesus, who's my counselor. Lord, put your spirit in me. And I prayed, and I felt like God saying to, to, to me, just before we got on Zoom, I said, I felt like he said, Tim, I want you to leave all of the excuses, all of the blame, all the guilt at my cross. Like the Holy Spirit pressed on my mind. Sometimes I'll, I won't just write prayers. I draw in my journal. I'll show you a picture. This is a picture of it. And I drew a cross and I listed all the things that I was going to keep out of the Zoom and lay down at the feet of Jesus. Blame, guilt, excuses, defensiveness. And I was like, Lord, can you just give me the words to be humble, teachable, and own my part of the pie and not bring up his. I, I even wrote that. You can see it at the bottom. I said, Jesus, after we speak, may he feel like part of his heart has healed. Help me see him the way you see him. And so when we logged on to Zoom, you know, I was like, dude, first off, thanks for reaching out. And I said, listen, before we even dive in, I just want to thank you for taking the time to honestly share how my response made you feel. And I am, I am sorry for hurting your heart. I, tr I truly had no idea. I would never intend to minimize what you shared, but that doesn't matter. What matters is I clearly missed the mark. I am so sorry I made you feel unloved and unheard. Will you forgive me for that? And you know what? It's amazing over Zoom. The Holy Spirit travels through pixels. <laughs> he said, I do, and he did, and we talked for about a half an hour, just kind of cleared the air, filled in some gaps on both of our ends. We prayed together as brothers, and guess what? The relationship is restored, is it the same as it was before? No, he's not coming back. But check this out. We have no regrets. 
You get it? It's not going to be weird the next time we see each other in Home Depot in the plumbing aisle. See, when you show self-awareness that you're willing to be humble and take responsibility for my piece of the pie, man, I'm just telling you, Jesus shows up and there can be healing in the body of Christ. Amen? Let me tell you what this does for the other person. If you get the guts, the batteries to go first and own your slice of the pie, your confession, your ownership of this piece may actually unlock something in that other person that they could unlock any other way. As a pastor, I'll just let you know, there are people right now walking around with heavy, heavy guilt because they know the majority of the pie is theirs. They know it. But they don't know what to do with this. They've never been taught. So they just carry it around. Hopefully no one will see. But you know what happens? Who knows? Your humility in that moment may just give them the opening they need for God to unlock that burden and actually set them free from something they've been carrying around for their whole life. Guys, that's what a no regrets relationship looks like. No regrets. Now, I know that sounds scary to some of you. I know you have fears and questions. Some of you, are, I see it. You're like, well, what if they don't own their part? What, okay, Tim, what if I eat my slice of pie and then they push the whole thing on me? What if they don't respond well? I get it, I get it. And so does Jesus. That's why he gives you this brilliant advice in Romans 12. I'll close with this. Romans 12, verse 17. The Apostle Paul is writing here, and he says this. He says, do not repay anyone what? Evil for evil. Revenge is off the table. No payback, no punishment. They push your buttons, you don't push them back. They react poorly, you don't. Instead, watch what God says. Let's read this together. If it is what? Possible. If it's possible, as far as it depends on who? You live at peace with who? Everyone. Let's say these four words together. Ready? If it is possible. Say it together. If it is possible. Don't you love how realistic the Bible is? <laughs> Jesus is like, hey, I'm just telling you, you can't control the outcome. Reconciliation may or may not be in the cards. You, you can't control their reaction. God's like, I get it. They're my children. Some people are emotionally immature. They're insecure. They're defensive. They blame shift. You can't change that. You can't control their response. All you can control is you. So God says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If, if you do the work that only you can do, then you can release the outcome and leave it up to me. Everyone say, leave it up to God. Leave it up to God. And guess what you can do at night, man? You can rest. You can actually, I can sleep well at night because I know, man, I did my level best. I obeyed my Lord. I was mature. I made the first move. I owned my slice of the pie, and now I have no regrets. That's the goal, a no regrets relationship, if it's possible. If it's possible and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Amen? Say amen if you agree. In God's word, good. It's so practical, man. Now, I know this is a three-elbow sermon, okay? I, you know what I'm talking about? A lot of, I can see a lot of this going on, you know, kind of like, don't you wish Gary was here? He should have heard this, you know? We should have invited Lois. Lois needs to hear this message. Or how can, can, how can we send this to your boss without him knowing it was us, you know? We, we all think right now, there's somebody out there who needs to hear this and do this. But remember, God says, as far as it depends on you. In other words, you may need to sit down and write an email this week or a letter. 
Or maybe you need to send a text to break the ice. You may need to make a phone call or invite them for coffee. But take a risk. Trust God to go first. Because remember, the most mature person makes the first move like Jesus did with you. Amen? I'll tell you, all this pie talking, I'm talking with all this, this stuff up here, it's making me hungry. So I thought, how could we end today? And I thought, let's, let's do it by sharing a meal together. A meal that's actually all about reconciliation. It's called communion. On your way in today, church, at our physical locations, you received a little cup and wafer. If you could take that out, if you didn't get one of these, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand right now. Our ushers will come and get you one. If you're at church online, just grab a cracker, some juice, just to join us. Guys, you get what this means. The cup and the cracker represent the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. God's like, do you know what it cost me to fix our relationship, to reconcile you? He's like, it cost, looks like this. It cost me blood, and it cost me my son's body. Because wherever there's sin, sacrifice is required. Forgiveness is messy, isn't it? It's painful. In fact, it can feel like part of you is being crucified. But crucifixion is a sign of love. Understand this, Christian. God had no part of that pie to eat. His son, Jesus Christ, was blameless, innocent, righteous in every way. And yet on the cross, he took 100% of your blame, of your shame, and punishment for your sin. He made the first move, and now it's your turn to respond. So if you receive Christ's offer of reconciliation, let me tell you, God will renew your relationship with him. He'll wipe your slate clean. The, the guilt, the shame, he'll put a spirit of power and love and forgiveness in your heart. So take this moment to do business with Jesus. Confess what's in your heart. Ask him to renew a right spirit, and then we'll partake together. Let's bow our heads for a silent prayer. Father, we confess all the mixed emotions that are churning around our heart right now. And I hear your spirit speaking over those troubled waters. Peace, be still. Know that you are the Lord. Jesus, we thank you for coming on a rescue mission, for laying down your life and restoring our relationship with our heavenly father. We confess our sins, God. We have not lived up to the life of Jesus, but that's why we're coming to this table to reconcile with you. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth the way it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Receive the body and the blood, and let's worship Christ. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.